Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom. To establish it and to uphold it. With justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen? Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm thankful that the Lord has brought us together this morning as we finish this year of 2020 together in corporate worship and studying God's Word together. Um, Today I'm going to preach chapter 5, verse 17. I want to read that verse, I want to pray, and then we'll dive in. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 17, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your holy word. Everything within it is so good for us so needed for knowledge, for insight, for understanding of who you are, how you work, what you will for us to do and not to do. Help us to long to know it rightly and to obey it faithfully. That we would be not hearers only, but doers, faithful to do all that's commanded, faithful to honor you despite what we face in any given moment, despite the temptations that knock on our door, opportunities for the flesh, that like Christ modeled, we would turn away from those temptations and we would honor you. We would recall the truths of Scripture. We would fix ourselves on Christ who is the rock. Fix our faith and our identity on Jesus who is enough. Lord, move mightily on this final Sunday of 2020 in these people of Disciples Church for all that you would have before us, for your glory and our good. We love you. We pray these things because of Christ. Amen. Therefore, do not be foolish. When we see the word therefore, We need to slow and recognize what is about to be said is based on what was just said. So there's purpose, there's connection. And so we slow to ask, what did Paul just say? Looking at just a couple previous verses, verse 15 and 16, Paul says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. 
Paul's just finished charging his audience of fellow believers to be good stewards of their God-given days and to walk in godly wisdom in all they do. How do we do this? Paul says, therefore, do not live foolishly, but live according to God's will of command. If we belong to him, we will live for his priorities and his purposes, according to his commands. This is the only way we will make the most of our days, church. This is the only way we'll live in godly wisdom. To not do what we are supposed to do, according to the Lord, is to live foolishly. How many days do you wake up and pursue not what God has called you to do, but only what you want to do? Hear me clearly. Hear hear me with love. This is to live foolishly. Let me show you why. He says, therefore, do not be foolish. Foolishness is when you know what is right and then you fail to apply it. Foolishness is the opposite of wisdom. If you remember from last week, wisdom is the soundness of action or decision with regard to the application of the truth or of sound knowledge. Knowledge is to know facts. It's to have insight. It's to have understanding. Wisdom or foolishness is what we do with that knowledge. Wisdom is to know the facts and insight and then to act rightly according to them that's wise foolishness is to know the facts and have insight and understanding but to not act in a sound way regarding that insight christian it is a sin to know what is right and then to not do it james 4:17 whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him it is sin This is the point I made a moment ago. To know what God's declared will and command is for us, and then to not obey Him, to not do what we're supposed to do, is sinful. It is foolish. Turn to Proverbs with me. Go to the middle of your Bible, split it in half. You're really close. Psalms, Proverbs, you're right there. And just see with me a number of passages, starting in chapter 1, where Solomon, who was considered to be the most wise man other than Christ to ever live, God blessed him with great wisdom, godly wisdom, and so the, the Proverbs are filled with his wisdom. We're going to read the Proverbs faithfully this year of 2021, the Lord wills. Tell you more about that in a little bit. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. And then we're going to jump to chapter 19 and then 22. I'm going to run through a few of these real quick. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Because true wisdom belongs to God, we need to rightly fear, respect, know, and follow God. If we're going to be wise. Because sin causes self-righteousness, 
pride, a desire to be right in one's own eyes, the fool rejects wisdom of God and the Scripture's teaching of it. Look look at Proverbs 19, a few chapters later, verse 3. Love hearing all those pages turn. Bring your Bibles to church. Get to know them with me. When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. Proverbs 19.3 When a man's folly brings his way to ruin, his heart rages against the Lord. When we know what we should do, And we fail to do it. We act as a fool. This is folly. This leads to ruin. This is to rage against what the Lord calls good and wise. One of the things I've been praying for for you this morning is that you would grow in your Understanding your conviction of this. If you're guilty of knowing what is good and right and failing to do it, that that, that would wreck you more. That there would be a, a greater conviction to act according to what God has given you in wisdom. And to put away the ways of being a fool. Look at chapter 22, Proverbs 22, verse 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. In the immaturity of a child, they're often guilty of knowing what they should do but sinfully or selfishly choosing to not do it. It's immaturity there. That's why it's spoken of as a child. Therefore, we who love them, we parents who love them, awaken their sinful folly with discipline. That's loving. Just like it's loving when God disciplines us, His children, to steer us from folly unto what is good and God-honoring. Chapter 26, Proverbs 26, verse 11. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Are you guilty of acting like a dog who returns to your vomit because you continue to do what you know you should not do and do not do what you know you should? This is to repeat our folly. I think sometimes Christians can be guilty of playing light with this. We acknowledge that we don't submit to God 
His revealed will for us. Too often we do what we want to do instead. We do what we know we shouldn't. But it doesn't wreck you unto repentance, unto learning and not doing it again, like it should. Maybe if you realized the title fool was connected to you when you did this, you would be more awakened to it. Maybe this will help us better see the weight of it, and I pray it does. Again, just like it's loving to discipline a child from these things, I would say it is loving of God to give us this text today to do a work in us, to move in us. May the Holy Spirit love us well to convict us of these things and lead us unto righteous repentance and the things that honor God instead. Look with me at the second part of our verse, verse 17, Ephesians 5, 17. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now there are two ways we think about, we need to think about God's will. And it's really important, church, that we don't mix them up. So I'm going to speak of things that we say a lot today. And I pray, I've been praying, that there's a refinement for you to sharpen the way you understand God's will, even speak about it and act upon it today. So you need to lean in well, and you need to really pay attention to some of these nuances. And I pray it would mature us this morning. The first side of the coin of God's will that we need to see rightly and understand is what we call the will of God's decree. The will of His decree. The will of God's decree are the things God decrees to be done or not done. What is God going to do or not do? What is His decree? His sovereign will. Too much time mankind has spent trying to guess, predict, claim to know the will of God's decree. Listen to me clearly. Unless God has chosen to reveal it to us in Scripture, we cannot and will not know what God will do or not do. Is Jesus coming again? Will he decree that to happen? Yes. Why do we know that? Because God's word has made it clear that he will decree for Christ to come again. Amen? And come, Lord Jesus, come. When will Jesus come again? We do not know that. Why? Because God's word has made it clear we will not know. No one knows but the Lord. The Lord's word gives us some signs of things to happen. But again, his time is not our time. So people get caught up in declaring, hey, I've got it. He's coming on this date. No, no, no. Run from that. Okay? Condemn that. It's not, why? How do we not know that? Because God's word is clear that we will not know that. That is his decree, his will that we do not know. We will not know. Do you see the difference? 
Scripture is clear to teach us that this creation belongs to Him and it is His to govern as He pleases. Psalm 115 verse 3, Our God is in the heavens, He does all that He pleases. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, I will accomplish all of my purpose. Romans 9, 18 through 21, He has mercy on whom He wills, and He hardens whoever He wills. You say then to me, why does he still find faults for who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? Because we do not know what God will decree, we must humbly and regularly say, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. And that that would affect how we do our days. If the Lord wills, we will wake up tomorrow. If the Lord wills, I'll have a job tomorrow. If the Lord wills, my jaw will work tomorrow to chew my food. If the Lord wills, the lights will turn on tomorrow. We don't know if He will will to provide that or not. James has blessed us with great wisdom. In James 4, 13-15, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Are are you rightly in tune with that? God has given you today. He may not give you tomorrow. This very well be the last sermon you ever hear me preach. Because if the Lord wills, my time might be done this week. And His good and perfect will is to be honored, accepted. Your loved one, you may not know, you may not get to hold them tomorrow. Your ability to see, your ability to do a task. The freedoms you enjoyed yesterday, you may not have tomorrow. If the Lord wills. We, His creation, belong to Him. It's His right to mold us as He wills. He is worthy to be praised. Worthy to be trusted. We walk by faith in Him. We yield, we surrender our grip. Any notion of an idea that I am in control, we must yield that to Him. Declaring if the Lord wills over the plans we make or the desires we have is an essential practice because it corrects our futile and finite thinking that things will happen as we have hoped or planned them to. No, they will happen according to the perfect will of God. So when we say, I hope to get to see you again if the Lord wills, Or I'd love to see this deal close if the Lord wills. 
is a way to remind ourselves who is rightly and ultimately over all these things. I've worked really hard this year. I hope that that end of the year bonus comes if the Lord wills. So it's not dependent then on how hard you work, how, how much you grinded, how worthy you might feel you are of that bonus. If the Lord wills, you'll receive it. And so do you yield that? Do you trust Him with it? Or are you guilty of in a sinful way of grabbing hold and saying, no, this will happen the way I want it to. There's one way this should happen rightly and one way it shouldn't. Saying if the Lord wills is a way to remind ourselves who's rightly and ultimately over all things. Now it doesn't change the good hope we have, but it puts us in a right place. We trust it to the Lord. We do this because His view is best. His way is best. Our way is not best. God's way is. One of the most famous and valuable Proverbs that come to mind is Proverbs 3, 5-6. through 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. Whenever you want to overgrip on why is it going this way, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Not with part of it, with all of it. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. That phrase, in all your ways, acknowledge Him, means in all your ways, submit to His will. Before I break into how we can misunderstand or pursue wrongly the will of God's decree, let me talk about the other side of the coin when it comes to God's will. The other side of the coin of God's will is this. It's called the will of God's command. The will of God's command are the things God commands us to do and to not do. This is His revealed will for creation. What is God's good will for me in this situation according to what is revealed in Scripture? That's the will of His command. What is His command and instruction for me? Jesus is clear to say in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John said in 1 John 5, 3, For this is love for the Lord This is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Church, the commands of God are a serious thing. For when we do not obey the will of God's command, we earn judgment and we fail to honor Him as our worthy God. The Old Testament and New Testament is clear to warn people. Deuteronomy 28.15 But if you will not Obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all of His commandments and statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. James 2.10 For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. Is God serious about us obeying all of His commandments? Yes. 
Do I get to pick and choose what I like and what I don't like? No. Hear Jesus' warning, Matthew 7, 24-27. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. To hear his commands and to not do them is to be foolish. To hear his commands and obey them is to be wise. Christian, how seriously do you take the commands of God? Are you guilty of being all too flippant in understanding and obeying God's clear commands given in Scripture? See with me how detrimental this can be for your lives and those who follow you. When it comes to understanding and pursuing God's will, we must be careful to not seek to know His will of decree. For that belongs to Him only. He is not in the business of telling us what is going to happen and when and how it's going to happen. In our flesh, we are all too often consumed with knowing what is God going to do. We know only what God has revealed to us in His Word. That is all we need to know. We need to let God be God, and we need to be focused on being joyful followers of Him. We need to be focused on what He has ordained and given us to do in the will of His command. For some of you, this is a real struggle. Because in your sin, you don't like not knowing what's going to happen. But this is not your place. Hear me say that again. If you're one of those people that needs to know, you don't like being out of control. You are not in control. You don't need to know. You need to walk by faith in God. We trust God by resting in the fact that He's on the throne, perfectly working all things together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. It's Romans 8.28. Church, we need to worry less about what God is going to decree, and we need to pray more. Prayer is God's gift to us. Not so we can try to manipulate Him into doing it the way we want it to go. If that's the way you're coming at prayer, I think you're coming at it all wrong. Prayer is a practice that allows us to constantly yield at God's feet our grip on that situation, that person, that issue, we surrender it to the Lord. Prayer is our way of preparing to join Him in what He's going to decree. That's the gift to you that prayer is. It's a way to fight your flesh that wants to grip. 
see prayer as a regular activity of recognizing who God is and giving him that situation so I'm ready to join him in what he's going to decree. This is why Paul, when he says pray about everything, don't worry about anything. He says when you do this, you will have a peace beyond your your understanding. Why? Why do I have a peace that's beyond my understanding in this incredibly hard situation? Because instead of choosing to stay gripped on it and worrying about it, I'm praying, I'm trusting it to God, and I'm experiencing peace because my God is on the throne and I trust Him. Prayer is our way of preparing to join God in humble faith in what He's going to do and what He's going to decree. We should not pursue trying to know God's will in areas that go beyond Scripture. God does not communicate His hidden will. These are details of what He decrees to happen. These are things like what job to take, if you'll get married or not, if your loved one will be healed or not. You cannot know these things, nor is God going to tell you. Anyone who claims to know these things is lying. God doesn't work this way. Anyone who claims God told them or God revealed to them what is going to happen, that's beyond Scripture, is lying. We should not talk this way. We we need to refine the way we speak about God's will. We don't say, I'm selling my house and buying a new one. I'm selling a blue car and buying a red one. Because God made clear to me this is His will for me. No. Because God doesn't speak to which house to buy or what color of car you should buy in Scripture. So you don't claim that He's revealed that to you. It is a false, unbiblical form of Christian ease that is trying to claim insight into God's decree in a way that God doesn't give. The Spirit surely leads us, convicts us, but not like that. So we need to not step that far to claim this is what God's told me. How the Spirit of God leads or convicts or presses on us is always in line with Scripture. It is to help us recall what Scripture says and apply it. Feel the Holy Spirit pressing on me. Cool, where do you see that in Scripture? Well, well, it's not. Well, yeah, then you're... No. Now, can there be conviction? Can there be lead? Yeah, but again, you don't take that so far to say God is telling me. If it's a topic that Scripture doesn't speak to, then you have freedom to pursue it or not according to the governing principles of Scripture and what honors God and what is good stewardship of your life. So we can't say to ourselves or to others, God is telling me, leading me to not do this or that if it's a matter of liberty. You don't have to 
Read God's Word a certain amount of time in a given day. God's told me I need to read for 28 minutes. No, He never said that. That's not in His Word. God's telling me to take this certain kind of ministry. i got to honor Him. No, He doesn't speak to you that way. You, you, you don't have to do this or that because of liberty. You don't claim that it's God's revealed will for you when it's not. We don't say, well, I need more money, and I was offered this great job, and that means I have to move, so surely this is God's provision for me, His will for me to move and take this job. Again, I've said it before, the ready way is not always the right way. Just because the door is open doesn't mean you go flying through it and count it as some supernatural revealing of the Lord that you are to go that way. We have to be so careful to not think about God's will this way. The will of God's command for us is to grow in righteousness according to His law and enjoy liberty on matters not prescribed in Scripture. We do not grow in the understanding of God's will by seeking any kind of hidden will or extraordinary revelation. Since the canon of Holy Scripture is closed, God's revelation to us is not a kind of voice or extraordinary sequence of events. Too often I'll hear Christians say, God's telling me, God's leading me, God's pressing upon me. There is one sense where those things can be true, and there's another sense in which they cannot be true. God tells us what He wants us to know all the time in accordance with what is written in Scripture. He's speaking to us in preaching, Bible study, other study of God's Holy Word. God is not telling you something that is outside of His Word. He's not bringing new revelation, nor should we go looking for it. His word is clear to say in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So therefore, you don't need something that's outside of Scripture to be taught, trained, growing in righteousness, to be complete and equipped for every good work. His Word is enough. All that God has ordained, we need for teaching, reproof, correction, training, righteousness, making the saved, complete, and fully equipped is found in the Holy Scriptures. Scripture is clear to warn us there's nothing that needs to be added to that which has already been clearly preached and written by the apostles. Galatians 1, 8 and 9. Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let them be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel Contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. Church, hear me say it so clearly. You need to be so mindful 
where you are looking to know the will of the Lord. Even the best and most faithful Christians can get caught up in searching for something more. Some kind of additional insight to help them make a good decision. You don't need this. This can lead to looking in the wrong places for insight, inspiration, and help. Paul spoke to this to the church in Colossae, Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Scripture is enough. This point leads me to ask and answer, how do we then grow in our understanding of God's will? Number one, we grow in our understanding of God's will by studying and submitting to God's word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, 105. You're looking to discern where to go and how to go forward. Let the word of God light your path. David poignantly says here that we need to to know the way in which we go is God's word. The light that shows us God's way. Psalm 1, 1 through 1-3 Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. He doesn't look to the world for advice of how to go forward, or wisdom of how to go forward. No, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. We do not grow in our understanding of God's good and holy will by seeking the counsel, ideas, practices, or priorities of fallen man. Even if that fallen man is your father, your mother, your coach, No, the perfect will of God is revealed to us in his written word, in his declared law. This is why our delight must be in God's word. Our daily meditation must be in God's word. Paul is clear to say in Romans 12 too, Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. How do we renew our minds, renew our way of thinking, our processing and evaluating this life? The written word of God. Our text today says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We grow in our understanding of God's will by studying Scripture, sitting under faithful preaching of our shepherds, by heeding the biblical counsel of disciple-makers and leaders. John 7.17, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking to you on my own authority. God's people must discern if a word or teaching is truly of the Lord. We do this by looking to Scripture. Many of you have said that this is one of the big reasons why you came or stayed at Disciples Church. Because the preaching and teaching was refreshingly fixed on Scripture. So much modern preaching, a a pastor will stand in the pulpit, read a verse, and then spend 40 minutes telling you all of his own ideas. It's like a launching pad. I really just want to tell you what I want to teach you today. I'm just going to use this verse to kind of tether it to God. 
instead of getting out of the way of our own ideas and our own methods and stories and just faithfully preaching God's word and expounding and commending you to it. Our heart and practice here at Disciples Church is not to tell you what we want to say, but what God says. Our commitment is not to lead you according to our preferred plans or purposes, but according to God's revealed will in Scripture. This leads me to my next point. We must grow in our understanding of God's will by submitting to our local shepherd's biblical teaching and preaching. The shepherds God has put over you to understand those scriptures is enough. Let's talk about that for a moment. It is not uncommon for saved saints to get caught up in trying to discern God's will for them by pursuing other pastors or other teachers for insight. Now, while learning from others can surely be helpful, especially in our tech-savvy era, where we can tune into great expositors of the Word all over the world, even those who are dead and gone, this is a blessing. We need to be very attentive, though, to not be led into other beliefs, traditions, or interpretations by other pastors or preachers. Why? Because God's Word says so. Hebrews 13, 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. Obey your leaders, your shepherds, not the leaders of another congregation or another era of the church. The ones God has sovereignly ordained to be over you in this time. You honor the Lord by following and obeying your disciples' church elders. Not the pastors or elders of your favorite church you listen to online. These pastors don't know you. The Lord has not commissioned them to give an account for you. You are moving outside of his will to say, We've decided to do this according to the word that we heard from someone else and not you. That would be to disobey what the Lord says. Unless what you're hearing from us is not of Scripture. Then do that, please. Right? You rightly need to leave a church that's not leading you biblically. Some of you have left churches. Many of you have left churches to find this church because of that very reason. 1 Thessalonians 5.12 We ask you, brothers... To respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. And, and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. God's command is that we are to respect and follow the teaching and leadership of those God has placed among us. This is why God has ordained local church congregations. So that you could be known and loved and cared for by pastors that know you and are walking with you. While you can glean from others' teachings and preaching, you need to be mindful of how you're following the counsel, priorities, or teachings of other shepherds. This is not what God has called you to do. He has called you to be led, counseled, and approved by the approved man God has put over you as long as we are being true to Scripture. 
not doing this can be very problematic. I've seen it become very detrimental for individuals or families who have pursued God's will, quote-unquote, in these unbiblical ways. Let me be very clear to say God's will is revealed only in the right preaching and teaching of God's word. God does not reveal his will to you through any kind of extra-biblical revelation or counsel from your elders or anyone else. How then is godly counsel helpful for making good decisions, God-honoring decisions? Proverbs 15.22 Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors they succeed. Proverbs 12.15 The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The Lord has blessed us with the redeemed disposition in Christ, whereby we are growingly humble and hungry for godly counsel. This is a sweet sign of Christian maturity. When you are willingly and regularly pursuing counsel of mature believers outside of yourself. As we just read, this helps us not do what a foolish person does, but what a wise person does. Now let me be very clear. Many times, the good and godly counsel you receive from others, from elders, from group leaders and disciplers, is just that. It's good and godly counsel, but it's not the ironclad will of God. Most counsel you receive is not absolute. Meaning you can still choose in your liberty to do it a different way. It is only if that counsel is firmly rooted to a command of God in Scripture is it to be followed no matter what. Why? Because it is God's revealed will for you. His will of command on you. The only difference in this instance is that it's being communicated through another person. So to recap, we don't say, it was God's will I buy this new yellow sports coupe. God nowhere says that in His Word. Obedient children of the Lord can buy yellow sport coupes. Okay? So it's a matter of liberty if you buy that yellow sports coupe. If you have the means, and it's a good stewardship of your life, enjoy it. If you don't have the means, meaning you can't afford it, or you have a family of six and this is your only vehicle for transportation, then I would say you're not in God's will. You're living outside of His commands on you to be a good steward of what He's trusted to you. Yeah, you might look good, really good, driving down the road, but the other four people in your family are sitting at home with nowhere to get around. Because you bought a car that only seats two. You see the difference there? So to begin to wrap up, I want to spend a few moments considering a few of the many places in Scripture God's will is clearly revealed to us. Number one, you want to ask him, what is the revealed will of God? Just a few places that Scripture speaks to this very specifically. All of Scripture is his revealed will to us. So we need to understand that rightly. First Thessalonians 4.3, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, 
God's will is righteousness according to God's law. That's the will of God for your life as a believer. Are you maturing in Christ? You are obeying God's word and command, if so. You are sinning less and honoring God more. There's maturity. You're growing in your understanding of God's will. Sanctification is at work in you. Sanctification is growing holiness. God wants us to mature in obedience to His written word. So I ask you this morning, is this you, Christian? Surely you are growing by faithfully sitting under sound Bible preaching, but what more are you doing with the rest of your week to grow in sanctification? I say it again, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. What are you doing with the rest of your week to grow in sanctification? In your personal Bible study, in faithful participation, in the means of the church gathering and group life and being amongst the church to be discipled and matured and held accountable. A couple ways you might consider going to work and being obedient to this will of God's command is with regular Bible reading. Our, our new Bible reading plan starts in in the new year, just a few days away. This new year of 2021, we will read through spiritual disciplines and the Proverbs, if the Lord wills. If you're not signed up to receive the daily reading, I would encourage you to do so. If you are signed up, but it's a, an email you just constantly delete because you're doing other things, I would encourage you to slow down, prioritize time in God's Word. Do you have to read the Disciples Church reading plan? No. Why? Because God's Word doesn't tell you you have to do that. Should you, do you have to be in God's Word, maturing in sanctification? Absolutely. Can you choose to do another plan? Sure. Are you faithfully in the Word? Are you leaning into people around you, shepherds and disciples, to help you figure that out? You should. What about midweek? Midweek starts back up January 27th. If you don't know what that is, it's a regular gathering on Wednesday nights from 6 to 8 o'clock. We gather for some fellowship time. Our kids, our youth, our adults of all ages are all on campus together to dig into the truths of God's Word through the Word of Truth Catechism. And this season, we're working through that tool. Um, there's regular faithful teaching from our teaching team. Uh, and then for those who are committed to our church to be involved in group life where you are known by others and you're accountable to others and you're walking together. This is a great way to be maturing additionally in your sanctification do you have to come to midweek? No. Do you have to be in a midweek group? No. Do you need to be maturing in sanctification and be accountable to other believers in this church? Yes. How is that happening for you? What about a humble commitment to discipleship? This starts by leaning into your group leader and taking humble steps to say, in what ways could I additionally humble myself to be 
taught and held accountable and maturing. Another scripture we see is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. We get a, a, a three-punch combo here. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Christian, do you rejoice always? Not because your circumstances are joyful, but because your life is in Christ. Christian, do you pray without ceasing? This is a great gift of God for us to prepare ourselves to join Him in all that He's going to do, to walk with Him. Christian, do you give thanks in all circumstances? Again, not because your circumstances are necessarily good or, or fun or enjoyable, but because you are in Christ and you will reign with Him forever. Amen? You're able to give thanks in all circumstances. Why should you rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances? This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 1 Peter 2.15 For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. The entire section we are going through in Ephesians 5 is about walking in a way that honors God. How are you walking? How are you living? Are you doing good? If so, Scripture says, you put fools to silence. If so, you honor God and you obey His revealed will for your life. Do we know the decree of God's will? No. Not unless He's revealed it in His Word. Do we need to try to know it? No. We need to walk by faith and trust Him. We need to say truly and more regularly if the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. Do we know and should we obey the will of His command? Yes. We know His command because of Scripture and we should obey all of it. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Sounds like a great focus for 2021. Amen? We have much to be thankful for, church. Amen? We have Christ. Christ is enough. More than enough. All glory be to Christ. Amen? Stand with me. We're going to worship Him as we go and prepare for a new year to serve Him and make much of the Lord. We're going to do this if the Lord wills. Pray with me and let's worship Him loud. Father, we thank You for this time together in Your Holy Word. We thank You for these needed clarities about Your will, about what foolishness is, that by your sovereign decree that we would hear this sermon today, that we would be convicted of these things, be inspired by these things. 
that we would turn from foolishness and turn to wisdom, that our hearts would long for a real, true understanding of the will of your commands according to your word, that we'd meditate on them day and night and we would obey them for your glory, that our days would be for your glory. All glory be to Christ. Hear us now as we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray.